I'm Ingrid Delamar Kenny. I'm the CEO and founder of The Method. She's also my wife and she's the smartest woman I've ever met. First of all, she's my mom and she's really cool. She's all that and she's a superhero. Never mind CEO, she's gangster. This is the Pardon My French podcast. On this episode, you'll hear about wellness, fitness, Frenchism, and lifestyle, a Trey fucking chic gangster podcast. Hosted by fitness and wellness French hedonism guru and creator of The Method, The Body, yours truly, Ingrid Delamar Kenny, live from Monte Carlo, Monaco. On this show, you'll find a mix of audio entertainment, including listener and audience questions answered about health wellness, lifestyle, family, and relationships, and my French holistic tips to be healthy, have your best body, and transform both your body and your mindset into the happiest ever, as well as living la belle vie lifestyle like a chic French gangster. Hello and welcome to Pardon My French, episode 6. I am your host, Ingrid Delamarcani, and I am live from Monaco. Today is Friday. We have just celebrated Thanksgiving yesterday, so happy Thanksgiving and happy Black Friday. I bet you guys are all super busy shopping for sales and enjoying your leftovers and your families. I hope you had a marvelous Thanksgiving dinner free of guilt with lots of celebration and social time, not worrying about your calorie intake or trying to be a calorie macro or whatever else accountant. Um, I'm going to answer some of your questions today, of course, and I love your questions. Thank you guys for sending them. It really steers me in the right way um, and helps me kind of decide what my monologue on here is going to be about because my podcast was really never about having guests and um, I've had some guests and I will have more, um, many more I hope. There's so many people I want to introduce you to that I believe in, that I love, that you know I think can make a difference in what we're learning and teaching here. Um, but your questions are definitely a big eye-opener for me on what you guys want and what you want to hear about. Um, so I've gotten a, a few of your questions and I'm going to answer as many of them as I can. In the meantime, what I wanted to say is that we also celebrated Thanksgiving even though we're in Monaco and I know that may surprise a few of you, but let me explain. My kids and I have lived in the States our whole lives, they're American and so of course I need to give them a taste of home and we've always celebrated Thanksgiving since we've moved to Monaco seven years ago. But on top of it, you should know that our sovereign prince, Prince Albert, um, is half American. As some of you may know, he was Grace, Grace Kelly's son and he married Prince Rainier, his father, um, who's passed away and has then passed on the throne to his son Albert who's our prince, who we um, really love. He's our beloved prince. We just celebrated 
the prince's holiday on Monday and we were off. I was working a little bit, but most of the businesses were closed and there was no school. Um, but Prince Albert's half American. So for me, one of the reasons why I chose Monaco when I decided to move to Europe and I didn't go to the part of France that my parents were originally from is because Monaco is half American and I knew that my kids would have an easy time integrating speaking English as it is the second language here in Monaco um, without too, too many obstacles and language barriers because they did not speak French at the time. They've learned French here, they now speak it fluently and beautifully, but when we arrived seven years ago, Dylan, Savannah and Dakota did not speak a word of French. Mainly because Dylan, as you guys have may, may have heard, uh, had a, a learning disability and was on the spectrum of autism. And the doctors and therapists told me that I needed to choose a language and stick to it if I wanted a chance at Dylan understanding something, at least one language, some, someday in his life. And um, ultimately, now he speaks three, which doctors told me never would. Um, but so I, I chose to completely not talk to him in French to make sure that he could, you know, at least understand English at some point. And uh, we had some very rocky first years, uh, even though he was the cutest baby, he didn't speak. And I sometimes felt like he didn't understand anything or process anything I said. So um, for the sake of Dylan and his development, I decided to only speak English to him. Uh, and our home is very much English speaking. French is our second language. We speak it mostly when other people that are with us don't speak English so they can understand us. Or, you know, um, we'll speak it with our family. My mom speaks to me in English, uh, in French, sorry. Um, but our first language at home is English. So this is my choice for Monaco. And I think actually someone asked me this question and said, um, I'm new to Insta and I'm curious why you've chosen to live and work from Monaco. And the person that asked this question was Sia, Sia Kono. Uh, so that answers that question as a whole. And um, I wanted to say that we were able to also celebrate Thanksgiving for the past seven years since we've moved here because the prince and the prince's family are American, half American. Um, the school system has uh, an English program, which the kids do part of their, um, their, their classes in English and they're in, you know, native English uh, sessions and then the rest is in French. So I thought that was wonderful to find a country where we could be completely comfortable with the mix of cultures from my own family. Um, and we were able to do Thanksgiving ever since because when you go to supermarkets and, f you know, food stores all over Monaco, you find absolutely everything you need. There's a bunch of turkeys for sale already a week before Thanksgiving. Um, and uh, you, we can just follow with the tradition. And there's even Thanksgiving parties at like the Yacht Club and a place called Stars and Bars and, you know, a bunch of other institutions in Monaco. So for us, Monaco was a perfect choice, which we definitely don't regret because it's a beautiful place, a beautiful life, and we feel very much at home here. Um, and let me say what else I want to talk about today. Today, I really want to talk about a subject that you guys 
constantly ask me about in different words. Sometimes you don't really know uh, what to call it. Uh, but women send me messages and even clients, new clients will come to me and say, I've been going to the gym and let's put diet aside for a minute because fitness is my first and foremost, you know, uh, like expertise. Um, so these clients and these messages from you guys are about being bulky. Like, why am I going to the gym doing all these things to have a nicer body, to turn my fat into muscle, to tone up? And I'm not leaning up. Why are my muscles bulky? And what can we do to stop the bulkiness from happening and turn my body into long and lean? And some clients and some of my followers even will say, I know I don't have the kind of body that can become long and lean. And that's actually wrong. Everybody can be long and lean. There's no such thing as um, being bulky naturally. Um, your hormone profile, it's like your DNA profile when it comes to that, is very much your own. So it is true that you can be someone that can have a sort of estrogen dominance when you work out, which would cause you to build bulky muscles as opposed to lean muscles doing the same activity that another person could get lean doing but on a general in a as a general rule there's always a solution to turning someone who tends to become bulky from certain exercise and activities um, to turn them leaner and longer and I've seen it and I've done it with a bunch of my clients and now I've had listeners and followers and people that read my captions and follow my posts write me and say I've listened to you I stopped doing this and this and that and I am no longer bulky I'm leaning up and lengthening and toning and I love it and I'm so happy because I thought I could not debulk so um, the subject here is the difference between wet and dry muscles. You can either have wet muscles, and I'll explain why they call wet versus dry or dry muscles. So technically, if you have the bulky kind of muscles, you have wet muscles. And you know how you say uh, Bruce Lee, for example, was dry or this guy has a super dry muscular uh, composure or this woman has dry muscles those are the dry muscles um, so I'm going to explain a little bit of how that happens and you bet I'm going to be talking to you about hormones because that's what it's all about um, I believe that in one of my podcasts I already I had tapped a little bit onto wet and dry gains um, but I think it's important to make a whole episode about it because so many of you are investing your time and your money on exercise and you're most importantly investing so much hope onto this exercise and all these efforts and all this work you put into it and you're not getting the results that you want and I think it's from a lack of information and from a built-up of myth that we all believe that we are sold on for years and years and years and years. So I definitely want to talk about that. And I hope you guys will like this choice of subject 
because I think it's important. Everybody needs to be working out. I absolutely do not believe you should be dieting and relying on diet and not exercise. You will not get the right results. You will not get a nice body naked. You may get a nice body dressed, but you will not have a nice body naked. And I am what I call a body strategist. And what matters to me is not for you to become skinny, thin, look good in jeans or look good in a dress, but not look good in a bathing suit. I want you to have a banging, sexy body, naked and dressed. So I would say that's the difference between me and a, and a dietitian and nutritionist for sure. Um, I like more of the sculptural aspect of the body. Anyways, you know you need to build muscle. Uh, anybody that gets older and loses muscle, as we all do as we age, um, hates the way their skin looks, um, has tendencies to gain more weight because there's no muscle occupying that storage space. So um, it's also a health benefit to work out. And uh, it, it was about time that I didn't just tap onto nutrition, even though I will answer some of your questions about nutrition, but it was important that I tap into fitness because that's you know, where my love of health and wellness comes from to start with um, my athletic background and now my fitness expertise and what I do for a living. So before I jump into the core of this wet, wet or dry subject, let's answer some of your burning questions. Um, somebody asked me, Shrazi asked me, after inulin, what else can we do to improve gut health? That is a good question. Like all of your questions, I know I say that all the time, but yes, um, you can do so many things for your gut. The first thing you can do for your gut is rest it. So I think it was on episode two, I spoke so much about intermittent fasting and resting your digestive system. So that is one thing you can do. Intermittent fasting, a lot of people call it a trend nowadays. Uh, it's far from being a trend. It's actually a medical, a medically prescribed thing nowadays. And it's been actually for quite a while. I shouldn't even say nowadays. Um, for people that have a very active digestive system that is literally exhausted. Um, and for these people, intermittent fasting is actually the best thing they can do. So um, what it does when you rest your digestive system, you allow the body's enzyme system to focus on detoxifying and breaking down toxins in the body quickly and efficiently instead of working overtime to digest. Um, so ultimately, I think that is a great thing to do for your gut health is just sometimes, maybe once a week, maybe twice a week. Go for intermittent fasting. It is not a 24 hour a day fast. It's 16 hours, which if you do it the way that I do, where you stop eating after dinner and you resume eating the next day at 1 p.m. for lunch, all it is is really skipping breakfast. So I've spoken about it so much and I don't want to repeat myself from one podcast to the other because by the time you get to podcasts, podcast six, it means you've definitely heard me speak about it in the previous podcasts. Uh, so just a friendly reminder that intermittent fasting is something great 
and free that you can do for your gut. Another thing that's great that you could do for your gut is eat a lot of probiotics. And did you hear what I said? I said eat your probiotics. I didn't say run on Amazon and buy probiotics in a box because it's telling you it has like zillion and billions of bacteria, whatever probiotic to go into your body. I don't believe that shit. I really don't believe those are even probiotics. They're super expensive. The idea of, you know, putting that stuff down my body, guaranteing me there's a billion of bacteria, whatever, that are going to turn to my good gut bacteria. Eh, I don't really go for it. So... The best thing you can do, and if you're in the United States, I know that you're going to tell me it's very hard for you to get those type of cheeses, but any type of raw cheese. Like, ever wonder what, why French people are so skinny, even though they eat cheese? First of all, cheese is a good fat. So eating the right cheese, like raw cheese and fermented cheese, um, is a probiotic. As a matter of fact, I say it all the time, when they prescribe antibiotics to you here, the doctor will write on the prescription note to have a yogurt a day, a white yogurt a day, French yogurt or goat cheese yogurt um, to go with your antibiotics because antibiotics upset your stomach and the probiotic in the yogurt um, tends to your gut. So. That says it all. If a French doctor gives you antibiotics because you have an infection of, or you have strep or whatever and you, you really need that antibiotic but tells you, okay, the antibiotic is going to attack your gut and you're going to feel super sick and the best way you can do to even the score and prevent that from happening is have a plain goat cheese yogurt or plain yogurt because here most of them are fermented then you know you you'll do great and you won't feel sick that should tell you something about the goodness of the probiotic in the cheese and so i know the lactose intolerance thing has become a huge trend and many people have jumped on the bandwagon because they associate milk with cheese but what i have to say about that is that milk I'm not crazy about milk. I don't drink it anymore. I feel like that when we become adults, whether it's French milk or the American milk, which is even loaded with more shit than the French milk, um, is harder for us to digest. But cheeses don't have anything to do with that. So you can be lactose free, you can be lactose intolerant, but still tolerate the right probiotic ridden cheese like you really have to think about that it could very well be that you're a type of lactose intolerant not allergic to unfermented cheese not fermented cheese so you have to go with this um you go to you have to go into this with an open mind and um what i can recommend if you're in the states and you're having a hard time having the same kind of cheeses that we have here in europe that are deemed probiotic what you can do is go to um, specialty stores 
I wonder if I've said this before. I feel like I've said this so many times, but I can't remember if it's on live stories or Instagram stories. But what you can do is go to specialty Middle Eastern stores and you could get a yogurt, which is a Lebanese yogurt called Labne. And Labne is actually, they, usually they're imported. So they come from there. And it's a perfect, perfect probiotic. And it's so good for gut health in the same way that inulin is good for your gut. Um, or you can go get in a Middle Eastern shop, kefir, which is incredible. Or at best, if you're lucky and you have a Greek neighborhood around the corner, you can go to a Greek specialty store and get Greek yogurt, um, but goat Greek yogurt. And that's an incredible probiotic. And I've heard of many people that are lactose intolerant and could absolutely tolerate this kind of yogurts because they are not intolerant to that kind of fermented lactose. Dairy, I should say. So, food for thought. So this is a lot. If there are certain cheeses like kefir, a fermented kind of yogurt milk drink, they're more like liquidy than a yogurt, but it's, it's a probiotic. And because it's a probiotic, someone who's generally lactose intolerant can actually tolerate kefir. Um, so you know that the issue is with the unfermented cheese and milk. But if you want to do good for your gut, I would say go find yourself a very good probiotic cheese, fermented cheese. And kefir is one of them, labne. Um, we have some cottage cheeses here in Europe uh, that are great sources of probiotic. Um, but it really depends on, you know, how they are manufactured in your country. So that's why for people that are in the States, I don't generally recommend them because not all cottage cheeses are created the same. And in the States, I am afraid that you guys are not given the whole story on your, your cottage cheeses. But in general, you can do very, very good for your gut by having those cheeses that are deemed fermented um, because they contain several major strains of friendly bacteria and yeast which makes it a diverse and potent probiotic. So that's all I have to say for that. Um, another thing that you can do that's amazing for your gut is cook celery as opposed to drinking celery juice, but we've spoken about that before, so you guys know all about this. Um, and another great thing you can do for your gut is to follow your gut. Follow your gut. Each time you eat carrots and they are raw, do you feel like shit? So if you do, because I do when I eat raw carrot, and I know a lot of people do, but they still eat it because it's a crudité. How do you guys say it? Crudité? Yeah, a crudité in French um, is fucking bullshit in my language. And I'll tell you why. A carrot is so hard to digest. What you're doing is you're putting your enzymes 
into work overload and that creates such bad gut issues. So what I would say is if something makes you feel like shit, even though it's deemed healthy, please don't eat it. Follow your gut. Don't follow an Instagram hashtag. Don't follow an Instagram influencer that's eating it and telling you crudités were so cool when I was at Le Hotel du Cap. Don't do that. She's a fucking idiot. She had it on her table. She probably didn't even eat it. Or if she did, she farted all night, but she didn't Instagram that now, did she? So yeah, you know, don't follow your gut. Whatever doesn't seem to be working for your gut and doesn't agree with you, don't do it because it's deemed healthy by anyone. You know, healthy has too much of a wide significance nowadays not to be trusted. So that's my advice to you, Shrazi, and for those that have similar questions to you. Um, let me look at another one of your questions before I jump into my own subject, uh, which I hope you guys will enjoy. Um, somebody asked me, what's the difference between your inulin and inulin from other sources on amazon.com? And this question was asked by Queenie, K Queenie. That's a good question. Um, I've answered it before, but I believe it was on stories, on live stories. So here is my story with Inulin. We, as you all know, if you're listening to my podcast and you haven't found me randomly on the podcast search, you know that um, I sell something called Simply Inulin. And the way that this whole thing started is because I was looking for a very healthy, very natural, non-additive uh, ridden um, source of fiber, of dietary fiber, other than food. Uh, but I wanted it to come from food. And I came across Inulin, um, more importantly, Jerusalem artichoke root, which is what Inulin is. It's milled into a very, very white powder. Um, that you can dilute into any liquid or baked goods. Now, when I found Inulin, I ordered a bunch of them and thought I would be my very own guinea pig because if you know anything about me and my business is that I, I am my business guinea pig. So I was the method guinea pig. And originally, this is something I looked for for myself and for Gilles, for my husband, because we were hooked onto Gigi crackers as, a, as an extra source of dietary fiber. We felt that today's vegetables and today's legumes, with everything that they go through, even the good ones in France, were probably not giving us the 35 grams for me and 42 grams for him that you need of daily dietary fiber. We, we weren't sure and we, we didn't think. Although, as French people, we consume a lot of vegetables that are full of fiber. The French in general, the French diet is a very high fiber diet. Um, but we didn't feel like we got enough fiber because of, you know, the crops, the manufacturing, all that stuff. Um, so we were on Gigi crackers 
And I loved them for a while, but I realized that the Gigi crackers really pushed us to use toppers because they're disgusting alone. I don't know about you, but I can't fucking swallow a Gigi cracker like that. As a matter of fact, I had, I had to wet my Gigi crackers to eat them. But I knew they were doing me good and because of the fiber in them, they were making me feel satiated and, um, and they, they kept me going. But the problem with them is that I felt like we were going into excess protein. Because we're French, Gigi crackers could never be part of our meal. They're not nice to look at. They're not nice to put on the table. So we weren't going to put them at our lunch or dinner table. We would have them as our snacks or breakfast when we were on intermittent fasting. So what happens with that is that since you can't eat a Gigi cracker on its own, you top it with cottage cheese, salmon, lox, you know, and cottage and cottage cheese or cream cheese, egg, you know, um, um, any type of cold cuts. And that's a lot of protein to have in between meals. Or even when we made the Gigi pizzas, it's a lot of protein. It's too much protein, it's excess protein. And so I was telling clients to get the Gigi crackers and it was doing good for them for a while. And then everybody was hitting a plateau. And I felt like even with my petite frame, my midsection was starting to look a little bloated and a little kind of swollen, a little bit expanded. Like I was getting older almost. And for all the sports that I did, because I work out with my clients, it wasn't normal. So I was like, guys, let's all stop Gigi crackers. My clients were like, ugh, can't you decide? One day you love them, you write articles about them, the next you hate them. I'm like, okay, I don't hate them, but can we not have eight a day? Can we take it down to two a day and find a different source of fiber other than our food, which we will also eat? but just to make sure that we get that full amount of fiber we're supposed to have daily. And I ordered a bunch of inulins from the UK, from Belgium, from France, from Poland, and I tried all of them. And it turns out there was that one manufacturer that really stood out with my effects, with the way that it was diluting beautifully, with uh, the nutrition facts on it, which was pure, pure, pure inulin. And what I loved about the UK manufactured one that we now sell is that they are um, abiding by two sets of rules, of the equivalent of FDA rules. The ones for Europe, for the European Union, because when they started manufacturing, they were part of the European Union before Brexit, but they will stay and abide by those rules still now that Brexit happened. And they abide also by their own UK health department rules. So it's a double standard, which I think is great. It's an extra preventive measure to make sure that when we have supplements like inulin that claim to be pure, 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 pure inulin, which is pure Jerusalem artichoke root with no additives, no compound like gum to make it thicker, to make it uh, prevent it from clumping or whatever we actually make sure that those are pure. And so I tried one in Belgium that was pretty good. I tried one uh, from um, Poland that was pretty good. Being that inulin comes from Eastern Europe, European countries, it made sense to try that one. But the one from the UK stood out uh, in the quality. 
in the versatility of the uses that you could do. I found that it was the one that was the easiest to diluate in liquids and baked goods. Um, and uh, it was the one that made me feel the safest as far as the regulations, the health regulations, uh, it was it abiding by and for both Europe and the UK. And as opposed to FDA rules in the United States that do not compel supplement manufacturers, so protein powder manufacturers or any type of supplements are not compelled to, um, to uh, tell you exactly what's in their supplements as long as they deem them not dangerous. And that's a freaking hell of a risk to take because they have to deem them not dangerous. But of course, manufacturers are going to say, oh, we deem that our, our additives are not dangerous, so we're not going to disclose them to you. And I think that's fucking insane. And I think that down the line in five years, six years, some people may come down with cancers and things like that and not even know why. And it's because of additives that those supplement companies were not compelled to disclose by FDA rules. And so as far as I'm concerned, not only you should never use inulin from the United States, but you should never ever use supplements from the United States. And so this is because of all this mistrust that I have in supposed FDA approved products and products manufactured in the United States, supplements and diet products and meal replacements um, that I started to sell Inulin, our Inulin, and worked out a deal with our incredible manufacturer who answers to those two standards of health regulations um, and it was mainly to give my followers a place that they could trust for a product a, a natural products they were gonna you know administer to themselves and give to their bodies and I wanted to give them this safe place and that's obviously what simply inulin you know um, why it was created and how it came about um, and I can't thank you guys enough for trusting me and, you know, for listening to what I had to say. Um, and, uh, most importantly to me at this point, I, I knew I was going in the right direction. I know I'm going in the right direction when I read your messages, whether they're related to the way you feel to people with IBS telling me that it's changing their lives, which I could have never never expected because there's not so much i mean it is stipulated on some researches and stuff but i mean the proof is in the pudding here i know i've said this a few a few times today i i, I seem to be stuck on talking about pudding today for some reason <laughs> but uh yeah that's that's really what simply inulin was all about and how it came to be on the market was really you know uh, talking about a product, telling people, okay, you know, I advise to have it with caffeine, it's doing great for me, and sending them out on Amazon to get it and saying, oh yeah, go on Amazon UK, because that's what I was doing at the beginning, make sure it comes from Europe, and then I noticed some of you were posting an inulin, and when I looked into it later on, 
um, that inulin was manufactured in China, which I think is even worse than being manufactured in America. Can't remember the name. I think it was from the Now brand. And I'm like, I was like, unless you're buying Chinese herbs and Chinese herbal teas and Chinese remedies, definitely, definitely don't get supplements or inulin or, you know, anything like that from China. And that's where I started to flip out and saying, you know what, I'm, I'm influencing people. I'm not an influencer, but my posts are influencing people to go and find inulin. And some of them were getting China made inulin and some of them were getting US manufactured inulin. And I was like, if these people start, you know, having reactions because there's hidden additives that I don't know about, I would feel so guilty. And so this is how Simply Inulin came about. I was like, I want to know that whatever I recommend to people is exactly what they're going to be getting. Um, you know, and selfishly, I kind of wanted to make sure that my advice was not hurting anyone. And uh, and I'm very happy that I've done that because, I mean, the, the your, your messages, your pictures, your your results... The way that it's changed the lives of a lot of women and even some men, because I've had men send me messages saying, I've been bloated my whole life. I've tried everything. I have two or three um, clients in Monaco, Russian clients, who told me they lived their life on laxatives. And laxatives are so bad for you. They create such inflammation in your body. I believe that they literally destroy you on the inside. And these women were on laxatives most of their lives. And since inulin, they stopped taking them. And there's nothing that makes me happier. And this is absolutely what makes the difference between my simply inulin by the method the body and any Amazon brand that you may find, except for my manufacturer, obviously. Um, and if you're buying it otherwise in Europe and you're sure that it's a European made product, then you're definitely on the safe side. Um, but I hope that answers the question about what the difference is. And so it's a great opportunity for me to put you on notice when it comes to supplement. I got the question a lot and I hate to answer that question because I know a lot of people don't relate to my mentality unless they're French. Uh, but a lot of people ask me what supplements I take and I don't take any supplements. I My hair grows, my nails grow, my skin is amazing since I moved to France and um, it's because I get a lot of my supplements from food. I get my nutrients from food. Um, I don't believe in the probiotic pills. I barely believe, I even think that the capsules that contain your vitamin or your supplement or your omega or your b12 i believe that that's not even that good for us and at the end of the day just like the skin can get overwhelmed by so many products being applied on it because you're trying to tend to your wrinkles at the same time as you're trying to tend to your hydration at the same time you're trying to tend to some you know um, black spots or whatever dark spots it's like it's too much for the skin and the epidermal layer is just clotted with products and I feel like for the body it's very much the same. The body was brought onto this earth to get nutrients from real food, from you know earth 
earthy food and animal um, fats. And we kind of go against all of that and we want to give it all of these manufactured lookalikes. And I feel like the body is not stupid. You can't fool your body. So I tend to not want to take um, vitamins unless I would be truly lacking something. And I know it's a double standard because I take inulin, but like I said, when we decided the dosage that we would recommend to our buyers, we made sure to make it, to make it five grams, not because five grams gives you the exact daily dietary amount of fiber you need. No, on the contrary, it's giving you a good amount of fiber, which is about 27 grams or something, but you're still going to need to get at least 11 grams of fiber from your real food. And at no time would I say, oh, just take inulin and let it supplement for all your fiber. I hate the idea of replacing real food. I hate the idea of replacing real meals with anything. And I'm against it. So, um, you know, when you're going to go on Amazon and you're going to buy supplements and stuff like that, especially if you're in the United States, you're buying protein powders and containing whey and gums and all types of other additives and, you know, stevia and truvia and all of these replacement sugars, you're setting yourself up for disaster. Maybe you are seeing some result from it in the moment. But down the line, are you really letting your body live and function independently from things like those powders you're taking or those supplements or those vitamins? No. And it's kind of like the body is always on a crutch that you've bought on Amazon. And God forbid you should remove that crutch. Will your body know how to function? Maybe not. To me, that's scary. The body was naturally always meant to be able to function on its own and nourish itself from, you know, nature. And I kind of always talk about eating intuitively and following your gut because of that. Because I feel like, you know, if we just went back to our nature, to the evidence of how we should feed ourselves and we should nourish ourselves maybe we are the ones that are causing the obesity rate to be high you know by constantly um, supplementing and replacing um, you know you have to know that the diet industry and you know the organic industry all of that stuff is an industry there are people profiting behind those screens that are selling you all that shit. They're profiting and usually they're not looking at your best interest. They're looking at their pockets. I know I'm stating the obvious and it's a thought that everybody can have on their own. They don't need me to tell them. But I have stated some simple facts this past few weeks where I've had some of you come up and say, oh my God, why did we need you to come and tell us that to realize how far and beyond we've gone against our nature and our intuition. So I guess I'm here to remind you not to teach you, to remind you to, you know, feed your body with intuition rather than 
manufacture. Let me go back to some of your questions. Um, I hope I can find them now. I had them here. Okay, here they are. Um, somebody said, have you ever hit a plateau in your fitness journey and how did you move past it? I, I have. I have hit a plateau in my fitness journey and I'll tell you before I move how I, I tell before I tell you how I moved past it, I'll tell you what happened to me. Each time I opted for a trend, each time I followed a workout plan or any type of eating plan that departed from just eating intuitively, I hit a plateau. Case in point, when I when I started to go crazy about Gigi crackers because I realized how much fiber they had in them. I hit a plateau. At that point in time, I was working out about seven hours a day with clients. I should have been at the best of my shape. And yet when I look at pictures of me two years ago, my body is actually better today. There's one day that I just said, fuck this shit, the Gigi crackers are actually sabotaging my client. At that time, there was one specific client that I felt was it was sabotaging because we were going with all the gung-ho fiber craze. And I was like, I told her, stop it, just stop, stop, stop the Gigi crackers. And I stopped them too because I practice what I preach and because um, my, my products and my philosophy is guinea pig. And the minute we stopped it, we, it entailed having to go back to eating intuitively and eating the French way and just sitting for lunch and dinner. And the way I got past the plateau was pretty much going back to intermittent fasting. Each time I bought into those, you know, stereotype advice, like you need to have a big earthy breakfast so you can burn your fat for fuel and all of that fucking bullshit. Each time I for a quarter of a second, try to go that way, which today is a mainstream way of believing and punished my body somehow, I hit a plateau. And the way I moved past it was, you know what? Let me shut down the noise around me. Let me not listen to this one and that one and that one. I don't care how fucking look good, good they look on Instagram. I don't give a fuck. Let me just go back to being intuitive. And that's worked for me. I got rid of this, you know, um, I, I moved past a plateau and now I've just decided to stay with it. And the more I actually now talk about it, the more I get people on, you know, this freedom bandwagon, the more I see how this is the way to go. And it, it is the most it, it is like the most liberating way of living. It's the cheapest one. And like it doesn't cost you a thing. Actually, it costs you a lot less than having to buy all this manufactured shit. And it's also great for your cortisol because I found that when I was like holding on to things like Gigi crackers and, you know, the minute you ran out of them or something, you became insane and totally freaked out like oh my god I don't have my protein powder I don't have my like even with inulin you have to know in all inulin is is pure fiber so if you run out of it don't fucking go crazy trying to go kill your neighbor for the one she ordered until you get yours don't don't do that just you know say okay it's artichoke fruit that's what I do 
let me go and have some artichokes. Let me go have some real artichokes. I'm going to cook them with some, you know, chicken and olives and, uh, and lime and put some ginger in it. That's one of my favorite dishes. Like I make the chicken with the artichoke and a little bit of turmeric. And people put fucking turmeric in their juice. Like what the fuck? It's a spice. Go put it in your food. Like you guys are showing me more juices and chaya seed puddings than actual food. Come on, guys. Next thing I know, people are going to put hasta hanout in their juice. Wow, that's disgusting. No, it goes on meat, chicken, fish, you know. So, yeah, that's how I move past it. Um, I'm going to answer Haida. Aida uh, sent me the message a few times, so I'm going to answer her question. She deserves it. And she said, I know I keep sending the same request. Hedonist lifestyle, mindset and spiritual views. And she signed, merci. Aida, you are so cute. I, this is one of the followers I happen to know because she's introduced herself to me. And uh, so we exchange once in a while. Um, it's, I think your question is great. But I think it would be the subject for a whole podcast and I'll get to it. But I'm going to tap into it a little bit. The hedonist lifestyle and mindset mindset is very much um, my lifestyle and my mindset. And what I'll say about it, because it's totally tied to what I was talking about before, um, is about living intuitively. So the noise. This, it's, it's going to answer two questions in one answer the same thing with when I've hit a plateau in my fitness journey um, how did I move past it well I decided to be a hedonist to not believe in myth and to not believe in um, preconceived ideas of fitness or wellness or diet and just went with my intuition and what felt good for me so for example when it comes to fitness I'm sorry, but I'm not going to go hit the pavement. I hate it. I don't know how anyone loves it. Some people love it for mind clarity. Um, but if you are doing an exercise, for example, that doesn't feel natural to you, that the movements don't come to you after a few tries, it doesn't come to you intuitively, and you still feel very awkward doing it, and you don't feel fluid, um, fluidity out of it and you know you don't feel like it's coming to you and from a place where you certainly feeling like you're loving your body rather than punishing it and stop it right now and go look for something else and it's a little bit the same Haida with the Adonist lifestyle the Adonist lifestyle is about putting aside the stuff that you can't control like sometimes you can't control your job you can't control the stuff you have to do, like going to the social security office or paying bills. Those are things we have to do and we can't control. I'm not here to tell you to just, you know, throw all that those obligations in the garbage because you're a hedonist all of a sudden. But it's a mindful and aware way of putting the stuff aside, the stuff you can't control, you do the best you can to do. But realize that there are things that you set rules on that you shouldn't there are things that you create limitations and restrictions on yourself for 
that you don't have to. Those are things you can control. You can control your happiness when it comes to what you eat, how you eat, who you eat with, and the same with exercise. You know, the biggest motivator for me when I go to exercise is that I love the setting. I've made sure that my studio in Monaco, for example, which was important to me, has some skylights. There was no way I was going to open the method in a gym where there are no windows. And I didn't want to hear people grinding and grunting as they're lifting weights and I didn't want to smell their sweats as we're doing the method. So I picked that environment and I trust and believe that the clients that come to me love that environment and that contributes to their motivation to coming to work out. So being a hedonist very much starts with that. It starts with, let me cancel memberships to fucking rules I've set on myself on things I can actually control. Like you can't control having to go down to the social security office because you have to do it. You have to go stand online at the DMV to renew your driver's license. There's no way to get around that. It's part of life and it's stuff as citizens that we have to do. But you can control what you're going to eat for lunch. So why are you letting an influencer, a famous dietitian or nutritionist set the rules for you of what you should be eating? I mean, that's something you can control. And so being a hedonist starts right there. Don't go and see a movie because everybody else is going to see it. If you don't enjoy the movies, don't go. Being a hedonist is also knowing to say no on aspects of life that you can control. So if you don't like going to eat at the cafeteria in your office building, you have the choice of saying no. I'm going to go out in the park by the dog pond and I'm going to eat my food. That's what I would say about the hedonist mindset. You know, set aside what you can control and control it rather than abiding by the restrictions in that area of your life that, you know, you were told were good for you. And I hope that answers that question. Um, let me make sure that I answer one or two more questions. Um, this question says, have you always been skinny? Do you Botox? Love you, Jill Hill, one, two, three, four, five. Um, thank you for your question, Jill. Love you back. I absolutely love you guys. You guys are so good to me. Um, so have I always been skinny? Yes, I've always been uh, of a skinny frame, but I've not always been a skinny that I liked. Um, this is probably my be the best skinny I've ever been, which is the muscular and sculpted type. Just muscular enough and sculpted enough. Um, but yes, I've always been skinny and I, I am past now. The ship has sailed to say that I just have good metabolism because a lot of women in my family started off with the petite frame like me and then ended up gaining weight the ones that moved away from France. But I do believe that uh, 
my French upbringing, even though I grew up and lived in the States, uh, contributed to me staying skinny. Um, and today I am skinny with awareness, which means that I don't really diet, but I definitely make very smart choices and I exercise. Now, I couldn't tell you what I would look like if I didn't exercise because I've exercised my whole life. Uh, you know, I was a professional athlete from a young age. I was said to be a, ba a professional ballet dancer. And even throughout my three pregnancies, I've done Pilates ever since I was pregnant with my firstborn, Dylan. So ever since before, actually. So uh, yeah, I've always been skinny, but I've also been... French my whole life when it comes to eating and I've been exercising my whole life so what would my body be if that was not you know if that all these aspects weren't part of me I don't really know uh, I'd probably look good dressed but not so good naked which you know is something that I like to make the difference between for a lot of people that look to just look thin but they really care to look great dressed and don't care so much about looking good naked and I think you know that's where the difference is between a fitness professional rather than a diet professional um, and I'll take one more question um, Coco Byers asked postpartum tips oh wait a second let me go back to Jill Hill I don't want her to think I didn't want to answer that do you Botox yes I do I actually Botox on my forehead um, and I have for a few years now just because I found that uh, with age my eyes were not as you know um, open as they were before and so even though I have no wrinkles that bother me yet on my forehead or maybe I've not let them come because I've been doing Botox uh, since my early 30s, uh, I just like the look of it and I continue doing it. The way that I started to do it is that I had postpartum migraines and at the time it was said that um, getting Botox in your forehead, in certain areas of your forehead that are not the same areas as the one that you would um, get the shots in for wrinkles, um, that it would help with migraines. And I actually tried that and it worked a little bit for my migraines, but I absolutely loved the way that it looked and I continued doing it. And then I did it around my eyes a few years ago because I started to see some smile lines appearing and they were bothering me. And uh, that didn't work out so well for me because I have uh, some type of an intolerance um, I have a lazy muscle around my eye and so one of my eyes closed shut the minute that I got the Botox and I thought it was the doctor that did not do it right so six months later I went and did it again with a different doctor and it happened again so we determined that I cannot get Botox around my eyes and I'm really frustrated with that because I'm wondering what will happen once I really get, you know, deep wrinkles around my eyes and I can't do Botox and I'm wondering what uh, a cosmetic, you know, uh, professional will be able to do for me. But I haven't gotten there yet and I micro needle around my eyes instead. And for now, it's been, 
it's been doing the, the job. So I Botox on my forehead, but I can Botox around my eyes and microneedle instead. And it's, it's been doing the job. It, it really clears up those fine, fine lines around my eyes um, and plumps my skin around my eyes and my lips. And I love that. So yes, I do Botox my forehead. So now I'll go back to the other questions. Um, Coco Bayer asked me, postpartum tips. Postpartum tips, that is also, I think, a subject for a whole podcast. Um, but Coco, what I can say to you is love your body for it has just um, created a miracle. And I practice this so very much. Uh, being an athlete and being someone that has always been into the beauty and sculpting and the muscles of the body, it was always difficult for me to see my body transform when I was a little bit younger. But by the time my third pregnancy rolled around, I was 27 years old and I totally saw the miracle of life happening with my body. And at the third pregnancy, I also knew my body had superpowers to bounce back to even a better body than before. So my tip for you is to eat healthy. If you're breastfeeding, eat for baby more than for you. Um, go and eat intuitively. Stay away from diet products, fat-free products, protein powders, um, and just, you know, enjoy the miracle. And as far as working out, watch your cortisol levels because they do affect your hormones more than anyone else, being that you're in postpartum stage. Um, and I would say, you know, get back to exercising as soon as you can so you don't mentally get into the habit of not doing much and find excuses with the baby not sleeping. And so getting back into moving slowly is a great idea. And I would say keep it low impact, low density, and you know, you can go into intensity, but on a mat preferably. Don't go hit the pavement. Um, because right now your hormones are very awake and very present in your body and you don't want to be uh, producing more um, you don't want to be producing more estrogen than you need and bulking up so um, I hope that answers your questions so now let's talk about the subject that I chose for this podcast which I feel from a lot of your questions, from a lot of people that are now converting to the method way, the method fitness way and the method lifestyle and way of eating as well. The difference between wet muscles and dry muscles and um, knowing that wet muscles mean to, means to be bulky or on the bulky side uh, with massive muscles and uh, being dry, having dry muscles is more on the long, lean and sculpted side with a smaller kind of muscle and maybe less defined uh, but with a beautiful tone. Um, I have nothing against bulk if it is a choice. Like there are women that choose to look that way and it looks absolutely gorgeous on them. So I am talking about the person that would come to me and say, you know, I don't like my body right now. 
like I, I've been heavy lifting, I've been doing CrossFit style workouts and I don't like my body when it's muscular and bulky. So those are the people I'm talking about. I'm not saying to the bodybuilder in you or the gorgeous fitness model uh, that she doesn't look good. I have no opinion. You should look how you want to look. And I love beautiful muscles, whether they're dry or whether they're wet. It can be very beautiful on many people. I'm talking about the person that comes to me, where I'm the last link on that chain of every fitness way and every diet way you've tried. And when you get to me, it's because you are not happy with the results that you've gotten from all of these efforts you've been putting. So we're talking about this person that, um, that has been doing CrossFit, weightlifting, um, running intervals and, you know, a lot of cardio, heavy lifting and feels that they don't like the way that their body looks. Uh, even though they're putting so much hard work into it and they don't have the results that they want. So let me clarify what bulky is and it's really different for everyone. I don't want to walk a thin line of offending anyone. So let me clarify. Um, there comes a point where you feel like you have too much muscle and there comes a point where you feel bloated from this muscle like this certain types of muscles that can make you feel bloated and make you feel like you're retaining a lot of water and it may be nothing compared to the six-pack on bodybuilders at the gym so it's too much for your liking you feel like your legs are getting too big and usually that's a woman's problem more than a man it's a personal preference but usually if you have more of a slim frame or a short frame you're not very tall or you have a thin frame, you don't want to get that much muscle on your legs or on your arms or especially in your midsection. And it's a personal preference. And I get a lot of questions about how to get lean and not bulky. So this is where this decision for today's podcast, this subject has been picked um, because what I've learned over the years in terms of the type of exercise to do and to avoid to achieve the look of long lean muscles is what I want to talk about. So the way to get lean and not bulky, getting lean and not bulky means you look toned by actually gaining muscle rather than looking muscular. So it may sound like a contradiction but you need your muscle to look toned and so to answer some of your questions first you I'm going to answer people say okay the method's great we know this is the method that we should be doing to get the long lean and toned muscles and sculpted muscles but what are there what other exercises are out there and I answer this question in almost every episode but I understand that it's a new mindset for so many of you and I have to repeat it again. So Pilates style workouts, um, it includes things like mat workouts, more than reformer. I don't like reformer, mega reformers uh, for people that are trying to get rid of bulk because they do add some weights on them. 
So slower and lighter resistance, resistance type of workouts like bar. Just don't overdo any of it. Swimming is great for toning up your arms and legs. Um, and although I know that professional swimmers have very broad shoulders because they train ridiculously hard, um, it won't have that result on someone like you and me that's swimming one hour a day. Any kind of resistance training, if you do it without a high intensity, if you do resistance training without a high intensity, high density, and without high impact, you can really get long, lean, toned, sculpted muscles without getting to bulk. So there's just a certain type of exercises and the use of much lighter weights and higher amounts of reps will get you the long lean muscles. So of course, as you can imagine, the method covers all of that because you have the resistance, you have the high intensity, but low density in a way. Um, but as long as you have low impact, like you're not hitting the floor and you're not jumping, you're working your muscles so deep um, that you will tone those muscles, but you will not gain in bulk. Now, you know the method's great. I'm, I'm not doing the podcast to oversell on the method or the virtual platform. You know it's all out there for you. We put it in the show notes. I want to educate you rather on what we're looking at. Like what are you know, what are the hormones respons responsible for weight gain? So we've spoken about a bunch of them already. You know about the cortisol. We speak about it all the time. I've talked to you in one of the episodes about the ghrelin hormone, which is your hunger hormone. In the last episode, I've spoken to you about the leptin hormone, which is your satiation hormone. And of course, I've always spoken about the thyroid gland, and the adrenal glands. Now you need to know that the estrogen, the testosterone and the progesterone are also responsible for weight gain or weight loss if they are maneuvered right. So you need to know that weight gain can be caused by estrogen dominance and that's why I always speak about estrogen mimickers in your food, like yams, like truvia and stevia. Anything that's an estrogen mimicker will cause an estrogen dominance and automatically there will be low progesterone. Because if your estrogen goes, goes up from an intake of something or from a certain type of activity that causes your estrogen to be dominant, then automatically your progesterone drops. It's like a natural occurrence and that causes weight gain because the progesterone in your body supports your thyroid while increasing your body temperature and metabolism. So knowing that, knowing that you need your androgen hormones like testosterone to build muscle and break down fat, if you put yourself in excess estrogen, then automatically this is where you gain weight. And that's where the hormones like insulin 
you know, come into play. So when I tell you, uh, for example, that you're picking the wrong environment to work out, it's very noisy, you're running too much and you're shocking your body going from very calm activity, you just woke up and all of a sudden you go to the gym and the music is pounding, there's a guy screaming on the microphone for you to do 10 more reps um, in your spinning class or whatever, or you're running a lot, your cortisol level shoots up. You're putting your body in shock, literally, and that causes the insulin resistance, which is responsible for fat storage around your midsection. So where does that come into play with wet and dry muscles? I'll explain that now. The wet muscles are the muscles that, um, it's, it's pretty much what you call wet gains. It's similar to um, creatine and water gain that you get in your body. So when you do, for example, heavy weights, when you see a very petite woman lifting those huge cylinders and doing Russian twists, and I've seen them, some of them sometimes even have to put a mat on their tummy with a huge weight on top of it, and they lift it in a type of a weird crunch, that will cause water gain around the muscle. So when you build this muscle, you, um, you create water gain around it. And this is why sometimes when you finish exercising, you're like, wow, my muscle's popping out. Actually, it's not your muscle that's popping, popping out. It's the micro damage that you create to the muscle when you work out, which is what you feel soreness from. And it's water retention coming around it. And that's a normal occurrence. And there's actually bodybuilders that want that. They're looking for the wet gain. But we as women, and because we're not bodybuilders, and because we don't abide by so many sets of rules, like bodybuilders do, there's certain hours in the day that they need to eat, and they need to consume a certain amount of proteins, and so they supplement with whey, and their protein powder, and all of that. But we're not those people. We're people that go to work and want to have normal social meals, lunch, breakfast, and dinner. Um, we don't arrive, We don't abide by those sets of rules. And so when we go and exercise like a bodybuilder, and have this water gain around the muscles, um, the result is bulk, which we don't necessarily want. And what happens here, when you do this type of exercise, so high impact, high intensity, high density, like uh, hit workouts, like spinning, like um, what other workouts, like cross training, like even working out with a trainer at the gym that makes you do all these insane, you know, jumping jacks and then get on the get on the, the treadmill for a certain amount of minutes and run as fast as you can because this is good for your heart. If you're worried about your heart, if you're worried about the cardiovascular state of your heart, go to a fucking cardiologist. But don't tell me you're going to the gym because you're concerned about your heart. Well, you and I both know it's bullshit. So when you call your workout cardio, like what are you, a cardiologist? No, it's bullshit. You believe that punishing your body by running out of your mind will burn fat. Like literally the fat's coming out of your pores. Stop. Stop. This is the myth I was talking about. This is the anti-hedonist mindset I was talking about. Punishing your body does not work. 
punishing your body rises your cortisol levels and fucks with your hormones and that causes insulin resistance and that causes fat storage fat storage around your midsections and on your thighs and you get the muffin top which we don't want only muffin you want is the one that you can have sometimes on a sunday morning so let's talk about what happens when you work your muscles with those types of exercises i just mentioned before you get an enzyme called aromatase and aromatase is uh it's actually estrogen so that's the same hormone i talk about when i tell you that soy based products have estrogen mimickers in them it's an hormone that if it's in dominance because of something you you eat like soy based products or a sucrine or stevia or I mean, sucrine has a lot less of it. That's why I use it. But if you have sucrine brownies and you have sucrine in your coffee uh, morning and afternoon and you have sucrine in your pancakes and you have this every day and stevia and truvia, then chances are you could be causing an estrogen spike in your body. And so the same goes with those workouts that I would advise against if you find that you're becoming bulky. It's the aromatase enzyme, the estrogen dominance in your body that's created from this. So what happens is that when the aromatase enzyme comes into play, it's it's a key enzyme. So the process is like having steroids to make your muscles become bigger. And in this case, a lot of people think, well, the bigger my muscle, the better the muscle tone and the more fat I'll get rid of. Could be true because to lose fat, you need to also build muscle. But the problem is that this very enzyme, this hormonal enzyme, aromatase, that brings you a dominance of estrogen actually builds water around your muscle and that's why we call those bulky muscles wet muscles and this water is what causes the size of your thighs this water is what causes water retention and bloat that you may you may be feeling although you go to the gym five days a week and so if that is your case you need to make sure that you do a workout that doesn't wet your muscles that doesn't cause water retention around your muscles because that water retention eventually doesn't stay as muscle tone let's say you change a little bit of your routine or you don't go to the gym for a week because you caught a cold then it becomes plain old bloat and you just feel fat So knowing that it's a hormonal thing, maybe you really need to look at it from that standpoint rather than thinking, oh, I ate a whole pie of pizza yesterday. I'm going to go burn it at the gym and I'm going to take the heaviest weights I can and I'm going to do jumping jacks and I'm going to, you know, um, lift and I'm going to go on the treadmill and run fucking intervals 
No. You're going to bring yourself into estrogen dominance. And your aromatase enzyme is going to bring you into that estrogen dominance. And that's going to be water around those muscles you're working. And so when people tell you, yeah, I go to the gym to get strong, then do strength training with resistance. And you don't have to do high impact because not only that rises your cortisol levels, which creates insulin resistance, but you're also rising your estrogen levels. You're going into estrogen dominance, bringing your progesterone levels down. And usually progesterone is what gives you those nice toned muscles. So instead, you get a lot of water. So if you are this person, everything I'm saying is probably resonating with you right now. Pretty much. That's basically how it works. So when you're gaining this type of muscle, the wet muscle, it's like you balloon up. You gain some water weight too. You gain muscle, but you gain water. Whereas the drying gains are the leanest kind of weight of gains. So when you do something like the method or Pilates on a mat or you work with resistance and strength but not high impact, then you get dry gains. And those are the best kind of gains because you have a lot less water building up around your muscles. So maybe it's a little bit less pronounced and less big and less bulky, but it's also the most durable so if you stop for a week because you've caught that cold or that bronchitis and you can't go to the gym, at the end of that week, you will not feel bloated at all because you haven't built up all this water as you were build, building those strong and huge muscles. So it's really all about your hormones. And those are the 10 hormones I spoke about are really everything that comes into play when you have either dry gain or weight gain or a wet gain you have insulin so remember that insulin resistance can be caused by high cortisol levels of a very stressful workout whether it's noisy or it's too high impact or high intensity or high density um, you have the leptin which we know is your satiation hormone and we spoke about it in the previous episode you have the ghrelin, which is your hunger hormone, and cortisol, of course. And then you have estrogen, testosterone, and progesterone. And today, you need to realize that when you go to the gym, and you're spinning, and you're doing a crazy-ass Zumba class, and you're jumping jacks, and you're working with a trainer who's built like Mr. Alk, but you're not Mrs. Alk, you want to be Mrs. Victoria's Secret with your gorgeous wings and tight ass to go with it. And he's making you do whatever he's doing with heavy weights and hardcore, you know, stuff. Even if he gives you a little bit of resistance to work with, he finds a way to make it super high impact, bringing your cortisol levels up, creating insulin resistance, then... Most importantly, bringing out your aromatase enzymes and putting you in 
estrogen dominance, which will build fluid around your muscles. And so when you go to the gym and feel all the pain in the world and you're like thinking you're punishing your body for everything it's consumed the day before, you are not joking. You're definitely punishing your body and you're bloating your body. So, you know, you, you have to think. Estrogen is a vital hormone in female development. It's very important, but you have to make sure that you don't fuck with your estrogen levels. That affects your menstrual cycle. It affects um, your mood. It can make you very emotional when you either go in dominance or in deficit. Um, you really need to think about that. If you are one of those people that, for example, one of those women that bleeds mid-cycle, like at the 18th day, you have to look at what you're eating. Are you in estrogen dominance and uh, progesterone deficit? Could it be because of your workout? It's very, very important to know about all that. You know, so if you have mood swings and you have an irregular period or hot flashes or headaches or you get depressed, it could be your workout and it could be because you're building. It could be the reason why you feel your muscles are bulky because you, the estrogen is bringing out the water, the fluid around your muscles. And so the counterpart to that is to change your fitness mindset right away. Don't think that because it's jumping as high as you possibly can, hitting as much as you can, hitting the pavement, running as fast as you can, lifting as much as you can, doesn't mean on the counterpart that because you're doing a slower, deeper muscle movement, like movements like the method or like bar or like mat pilates or like swimming, it doesn't mean that you're not going to lose the fat. As a matter of fact, there are so many mat exercises that you can do that will be cardiosculpt and that will prevent estrogen dominance, that will prevent your aromatase enzymes from releasing that fluid around your muscles. And so instead, you get the long, lean, toned, sculpted muscles like a dancer's body. So it's about keeping your cortisol low and keeping your estrogen levels from releasing fluid around your muscles. I hope that made sense. I really tried to explain it in the easiest way possible. And... You need to listen to your body. So if some of the symptoms I spoke about, or even just the bulk, like why are you bulking up? Don't go think that it's just your body's tendency to just be bulky. It, there's no such thing. Yes, some of us will have an estrogen level a little bit higher. So no matter what exercise you do, you will tend to build more water around your muscle, water fluid retention. But in this case, then you need to seriously look at your hormones, estrogen or cortisol, your environment, all that stuff. 
definitely, definitely start thinking of your body from the inside, not from the outside. So let's sum this up before I go. I know it's all about changing your mindset and that's quite a process when you've lived a whole life believing that you need to go to the gym, lift heavy weights and run like a chicken without a head to lose your fat and replace it with big muscles or otherwise you will just be fat so it's better to be bulky. Just know that wet muscles are those that are the ones coming from the aromatase enzyme acting up and that's from exercises like what I've mentioned before cross training boot camp Barry's boot camp spinning um, running intervals jogging fast high impact heavy weights what the aromatase enzyme does there is it converts uh, to estrogen and estrogen is what increases water retention in the exercising muscle cell. So that reduces the muscular definition and increases the weight and blood volume. So it looks like you have muscle because it looks kind of um, inflated. Um, but what it is, is it's, it's a bigger volume of muscle and it's not a lean muscle. So you, you really want to avoid that if you don't like the way that your current exercise routine is making you look. It's really making you bulky and you know that that's what we call a wet muscle. Now the dry side, when you do something like the method or bar or swimming or any type of mat exercise or mat aerobics, the aromatization does not, like let's say the body does not go under aromatization to estrogen um, process. So it can work in reverse to increase the flushing of water from the body. That's why people like me or dancers and a lot of my clients that have switched from bulky to long, lean and dry, that's why it's worked for them. It increased the muscle definition and tone and we've been able to flush out the water that they've been building from going to the gym and all this inflammation. Because you have to realize it also inflammates your, thyro your thyroid. So it fucks up with your progesterone because thyroid and progesterone go together. And that's what leads to weight gain in the midsection so there's a lot of people that for example they're able to build muscle in their arms and their legs and they feel bulky and they're like wow I build huge muscles I have the capacity of building huge muscles and even the top of your abs but then the midsection looks inflated on those people and they don't understand why because they go spinning for like an hour and a half or they go to the gym and they look great but then in certain position and postures, they feel like their milk midsection can get inflated. That's the inflammation to your adrenal glands and your thyroid and messing up with your progesterone and estrogen. And that's what we want to avoid because that's weight gain, insulin resistance, fat storage again around the midsection and water retention around the muscles. So it's a choice you're making. If 
if your current activity is bulking you up in a way that you don't like, I'm not saying I don't like it, I'm saying you don't like it, you feel your legs are getting too big or your midsection feels inflated or bloated no matter what you do and you're working out more than the average person and you're still unhappy, then chances are you need to go on the dry side. So are you wet or dry? That's what it is. And do you want to be wet or dry? Just know that when you do the exercises that are lower impact does not mean you cannot lose the fat. On the contrary, if you look at it from a hormonal standpoint, if you don't mess with your estrogen levels and don't bring yourself to estrogen dominance by doing those heavy weights or those crazy runs or intervals, then you're more likely to be able to burn the fat. So, you know, it's a question of choice. Are you wet or dry? And it has nothing to do with your body type. It has to do with how you want to maneuver with your hormones. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I certainly enjoyed finally tapping into fitness a bit more because that's definitely my first love. If you want to work out with me, what I suggest you do is go onto the show notes and first try my free flash workouts. We post the links on every single episode and those are free. You can do them from the comfort of your home. All you need is a towel. Make sure you try it and if you absolutely love it, and everything I said today starts resonating with you after you do those flash workouts, then you're definitely the perfect candidate to sign up for the virtual platform and get your equipment reformer stick on the Method MC. You have two choices of reformer stick. One is our original reformer stick and the other one is the alternative, more affordable, more affordable version for those of you that just want to give it a try and you aren't sure yet that this is for you. Um, but today should have definitely shed some light on making the decision of being wet or dry. And if you're coming to the method, then you're definitely coming to the dry side. And uh, in this case, dry is a great thing, I think, if you're looking to lean up, tone and sculpt and looking longer. There are people that commented on one um, one article that I did with the with an incredible blogger and they were all into the oh um it's absolutely impossible you know to um lose weight on stuff like the method without doing cardio and without you know lifting heavy weights and what I have to say to these people is it's different. It's different when you're a woman and you are dealing with hormones. Myths are myths and they don't abide by rules that come from within, which are your hormones. So the more you get acquainted with your hormones and how they work, and today I've spoken to you about 10 hormones that you absolutely need to know to deal with your weight. We're not talking about eating a sandwich here. It's so much more than that. 
there's so much more that comes into play than just dieting and exercising. And two, to dietitians and nutritionists to tell you that if you go on their diet, you could spend less time at the gym. I will tell you even better. You can stop going to the gym altogether and start going to studios, bar studios, Pilates studios. Don't go on a reformer, go on the mat. You could do stuff on the floor and you can change your whole body. I've had amazing success stories with people that have been completely reformed from the hardcore workouts and feeling bloated and gaining weight and not being able to sustain their results and feeling inflated and inflammated and dis disliking their midsections. So, you know, after this episode, you definitely know if you want to come on the wild side and trust and believe that you can spend less time at the gym, but that does not mean spending less time working out. You want to go to more of studios than gyms if you want to come on the dry side. So wet or dry, that is the question. I hope you will go and give me some feedback on my latest picture when I post on Instagram and tell me what you think about wet or dry muscles and my explanation. Did I describe you? And did I shed some light for you? Um, you can get Inulin, simply Inulin, on the website, since we've spoken about it so much uh, on this episode. I hope I answered a lot of your questions, but please keep on sending, sending them my way. They really set the tone for my episodes. It helps me so much quick cater to everything you want to know. And I hope helps me to not bore you to death. I thank you so much for listening. Um, also wanted to let you know that we have an ebook coming out this week um, in collab with your tea. And it's all about your gut and getting that flat tummy. Uh, we'll have some products, uh, co-phrase as well, coming with the ebook. But definitely look forward to that. It will be available on our website Wednesday and on your T's website as well. And um, you'll be hearing a little bit more of everything I talk about on the podcast, on my posts, on Instagram. Um, and that's it for me. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I will be talking to you some more next week. I want to apologize for releasing this episode one day late. It's been a crazy week for me. Um, so I hope that it gave you time to enjoy Thanksgiving with your family and do your shopping on Black Friday. And that's it for me. Bisous, bisous from beautiful Monaco.